everyone, uh, happy Fiesta and happy episode 211 of the Alamo Audible podcast. Brought to you by Dave Campbell Six Football on the Republic of Football Podcast Network. This is your host, Jared Thomas, joined by my co-host, Adrian Munez. Adrian, what's up? What is good, buddy? What is happening? Yes, happy Fiesta to all indeed. Over here playing my little imaginary maracas. I'm yeah. pumped about it. I wish I was in town to celebrate. I haven't been to Fiesta in many years. I feel really bad. It. I was, th- I was thinking about going this year. My wife's never been, and I have a buddy who's super interested in going for the first time. But it's kind of filthy the cracks for me with all... All the stuff going on, you know, my personal life and all that. It's a special time of year. It's a special kind of celebration, man. And it's really fun to get out there and get involved. Get involved on the Mm -hmm. streets of San Antonio, if you know what I'm talking about. So happy to everybody that's enjoying their fiesta season. It looked like a hell of a lot of people enjoyed the official sanctioned fiesta event back downtown where it belongs in the Alamo Dome. UTSA spring game Jared, oh my gosh, it was 7,000 roaring UTSA diehards and recruits out there. Yeah, a lot and, of recruits. Dude, unbelievable what that crowd looked like. I wasn't there. You were there. You were in it. What was that like? First off, can I just appreciate that elite segue that you just pulled off to go from Fiesta to spring game with the Fiesta tie-in? That's impressive. Mid-season form, I would say. Um, so yeah, for, I mean, Friday afternoon, six thirty, San Antonio traffic, all you know, all that good stuff. Um, I I was honestly bored at the turnout. Um, I got there kind of early. I took a half day of work and drove up, and I didn't want to risk I ten construction and all that. So I got in pretty early. I went inside the dome like probably like six, and I was looking around. I'm like, there are already more people here than the last Alamo Dome spring game. Sure, uh, at least as as well as I can remember it because it's been so many years. Um, and then when it got to like 6.30, I was looking around like, man, like I'm just shocked that this many people are on a Friday afternoon, you know, dealing with traffic and and all that good stuff. So yeah, it was a really good turnout. Um, I was surprised when I saw the 7,000 figure. I mean, I, I, I think that's a legitimate count, um, but it's just a lot, man. It's a lot for a spring game. And what um, was that? What was the... Uh, Alamo Dome environment like I mean I understand there's even some people out in the parking lots getting down a little bit before the game and then inside did you were there like concessions rolling I mean were people able to buy beers and stuff or was it was it I uh, didn't I didn't see anyone like tailgating or pre-gaming in the lots I'm not saying that it didn't happen I just didn't personally see it myself um okay Okay. I did see a lot of people though that were like dressed up like it was an actual game day which was new to me I've never seen that for a sprint game before um yeah, Very nice. so that, that was kind of funny. But inside the Dome, I mean, it was like restrained. Um, if you've ever been to like a high school playoff game in the Alamo Dome for like the regionals, you know, every mm-hmm. every year when the teams from the Valley come up and get beat by 40 points, um, it was like kind of that kind of vibe. Wow. <laughs> so the concessions were open. Um, there were like two guys, you know, selling beer out of just like the little plastic container that you carry around. But it, it wasn't like full-blown game day atmosphere like on the right. concourse and anything right very cool nice and then people were in there getting loud getting rowdy on the uh on the good plays and whatnot a little bit a little when bit the they had like out. the yeah. uh the camera going to like get on the, the sure the jumbotron the jumbotron yeah and people were like really getting turned up for that okay so that's funny let's go I, I, it must have been a player's mom because she had like 
a shirt, like a homemade jersey. Um, I can't remember what number it was, but she was like really milking it. She was really uh, okay. trying to get on that jumbotron. Yeah, but I mean, it was nice to see people enjoying themselves and getting that little that little scratch of the itch of football. Getting involved, getting involved, man. Yeah, absolutely. But With some some good like, football back in the Alamo Dome. I remember like sitting there, like, man, we're really building a football culture here. Because right. I mean, you look at some of these P five spring games, and they're not getting seven thousand people. Sure, there, not at all. Know? That's a massive, much, much less at six thirty on a Friday. So I did think that was really impressive. A lot of students too. A lot of students. I, I was shocked how many students were there. That is extremely surprising. You never see students at a spring game. Hardly. And put yourself in the shoes of a student. 6.30 on a Friday. You're not going to get back towards the northwest side until like 8 or 9. And I don't know about you, but my nights were kicking off already, you know, by that time. You know, I'm at that reserve. I'm at the outpost. Yo, sure. But like, I'm okay, but I'm on a different agenda. And granted, I worked downtown, so I knew the scene. And and maybe not every UTSA student does, but... I'm like, oh, it's a downtown night tonight. For sure. You know? yeah, and maybe, like, maybe that was the play. We're getting maybe out the play. game. It's eight o'clock. Like, all right, well, we're going to wait before we go over to basement. I don't know what it's called now. They changed all the names <laughs> to it, but it's all the same bars that they've always right. been. <laughs> yeah, we're going to so we're gonna start over at Mad Dogs, get a couple beers, you know, work our way sure. around, go to the Irish spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, man, bring back the memories. That's nice. Okay. So I would have made a whole thing out of it, but no, but I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear the people are getting mm-hmm. involved, getting loud. We have some UTSA chants in the crowd uh, because that, because that atmosphere is, is something that coaches and staff and Jeff Trailer was talking about in particular, he wanted to mimic and and really kind of have that environment in the players. And, and, you know, yeah. and I think they were really successful in, in building that. Right. I don't know what they expected attendance wise. I didn't see too much hype. But the sprint game, like they were like no. really trying to drive attendance up, but it no, just it turned organic. off that way. All organic. Yeah. Yeah. Really organic. Um, but you saw some players make some mistakes that I think could be attributed to like the game day atmosphere and environment. Um, Mental we'll errors. About, you know, some drops and stuff like that. But uh, there was a false start, I think, on Frankie Martinez, maybe, where he jumped because they were playing a song uh, over the PA system. Uh, that's like clap, 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 clap. I, I can't remember what song it is, but everyone was standing started clapping and then he jumped off sides. It was like no really funny. Way. I was dying no laughing. I don't think way. anyone else realized what was going on, but that cracked me up, man. Sure, sure. Yeah, I just caught him. The that's clap, like a penalty course, on like the automatic. crowd, uh, simulating the snap count. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to do 10 push ups. Oh, man. Don't get uh, UNLV's old head coach in here. What's he doing? What's, what's he, is, is he in like the Alabama, like offensive analyst uh, bounce back? That's right. Yeah. He got it. Like, he got a good gig. He got a good like uh, coordinator assistant coach gig. Yeah. I thought he was a good coach. Just not, not the right setup. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so if the goal was to prepare these younger players for playing game time snaps, I think they did as good of a job as they could have um, kind of simulating that environment. Right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I think the thing that stands out the most was uh, the drop punts. So mm. uh, Willie McCoy, I believe, was the guy that was building most of the punts. And he was like kind of losing them in the lights up there. Like, I don't He probably has no experience ever catching punts in a dome stadium. If you think about it. Different. Right? I mean, different monster, if, right? If you grow up playing high school ball in Texas and you go to Juco like he did, the only time that you're going to play in a dome is if you go to state. Yeah, you, you go play at uh, AT&T. 
I mean, maybe uh, if you play in the Alamo Dome, if you're from San Antonio or the Valley, right, when you sure. go to regionals. But outside of that, I think those are the only dome stadiums that you'll play a high school game in. Like, I don't think NRG hosts many high school games in Houston. No, a long time ago, they used to go down at the Astrodome, right? Yeah. But that was a oh, long time sure. ago. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, definitely not for these kids. <laughs> not having it for these kids. But uh, NRG, no, 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 I really don't think so. Yeah, the, so it's a really unique experience. And, and, you know, and it kind of makes me wonder how other teams prepare for that, too. Like, if you're... I was going to name a Conference USA team that we don't play anymore. So I'll define another one. Um, but let's say that you're USF and you don't play in a dome and you don't have a covered practice facility. You don't really get that experience of preparing to build a sky high punt that's up next to fluorescent lighting above your head. Sure. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of unique, right? Definitely. Definitely. And we, when we both know, and I think anybody that regularly goes to UTSA games, the Amo Dome, you know, 7,000 is plenty enough people to make it very, yeah. very loud. I tell people that, that all the stadium. time. Yeah, 100%. In that dome Especially, stadium. you know, we, we can't do this for every game, but when you can restrict the crowd to just sit in a couple of sections, it, it can still get really loud. Right, because it's all coming from the same place, and then right. it hits the exact it, same part of the ceiling and just echoes, echoes all the way around. The reverb, right. it's called reverb, and that's what the dome effect creates, and Dude, it's so loud the way it echoes. It just this noise has nowhere to go but bouncing. It's off Man. each other. F- yeah. Future podcast idea. Let's try to find like an audio engineer or someone who could come on the podcast and explain oh, the acoustics of the Alma Dome for us. Oh, baby. There's got to be. If you're listening and you know a guy, send him our way or a gal <laughs> or a gal. Big time. Yeah, so we heard about a couple of mental errors, but that's fantastic that we created a, a rowdy environment for the spring game. Yeah, you gotta love it. And then there were a we've come of- a long way from myself getting kicked out of the spring game, like in twenty thirteen <sighs> or whatever, because <laughs> I was live tweeting the spring game. Right, and that was uh, giving up too much TMI, pretty much too much information. I guess. I don't know. I just yeah. like I was saying, okay, UTSA is an 11 personnel and they just ran a double reverse. That yeah, was 15 or 16. That was Wilson. That was Wilson's first spring. No, game, it was, it, it was poker. It was poker. Uh, yeah. Dude, that is unbelievable. You know, it's crazy. You mentioned that Jared, because Jeff trailer was actually taking precautions during this spring game mm-hmm. to keep competition um on their toes right to to miss to, to misdirect competition and so he was actually asked in the post-game interview by express news greg luca about the decoy play callers on the sideline and if that was something that he had for the players and prepping them and jeff trailer said no it was not for the players we have that in case of competition in case we have competition in the alamo dome for the utsa spring game trying to watch our plays and learn our play calls. And I was shook whenever he gave that answer. Chat. That, that's been around forever. And I, I've heard coaches say that's why they don't want their spring games like televised or, or broadcast on stream. I get it. I get it. Because they're open. I mean, you, you never know who's going to be in. He said something. Coach, and coaches are crazy paranoid. Crazy. I don't know. I, I could go on a whole rant about it. Look. It's 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 all for good reason the paranoia because it because it does go that deep and and even if it's not someone direct, it's somebody of somebody of somebody that could be in the stands watching and you know relaying that info down the pipeline to 
some coach at some institution in another. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I probably would have gone to the Houston Sprint game if they didn't cancel it. Thought about going to the Rice one. Absolutely. So would I have then, you know, took pictures and videos and sent it to Jeff Trailer and his staff to give him a heads up? Like, no, but it just goes to show, you know. But would so, U of H fan maybe think that if yeah. Alamo Dome Audible, <laughs> if Alamo Audible guy is going to the game? Sure, right? And I think they've got every right to feel that way. Yeah, it's certainly a coach. And so, yeah, it was funny though. He was he was mentioning, you know, in San Antonio, we all love it, uh, but not everybody else loves the success in San Antonio. And so it was interesting. It's like uh, he kind of knows that there's a couple people hanging around the program, trying to get their eyes on some <laughs> secret intel, right? So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. It's funny hearing those little tidbits about how deep it all runs, though. And so, yeah, decoy play callers, Jared. Uh, I'm just I'm just laughing at you know the, the whole coaching staff sitting around the round table at race and be like okay what are we gonna do to protect against the spies that are gonna come to the spring game you know like they got a million things on their plate they got a ton of, they got to call recruits they got to watch the transfer portal oh right the X's and O's all that stuff time is like, calmed no, down dude, you know time what we're is... gonna spend our super valuable time on decoy play cards the conspiracies man the time is always carved out for the conspiracies and it's got to yeah. be yeah i mean yeah. look i believe it i'm That's not saying it's right or wrong it's just funny to me it's funny mm-hmm. for sure so we really had all we, we really had all the stops right we had the noise we had the game atmosphere we had the decoy play callers we had competition in the building we had recruits in the building really really a game day experience there in the alamo dome uh did you notice anything different as far as the way the field was set up i know it's been set up recently for xfl style games with the brahmas Je- uh, jeff trailer did mention that he liked what the brahmas were doing with the sidelines i wasn't there i didn't know what he meant by that and i, I wasn't really sure what all different you could do but yeah I-, I wasn't too sure either i mean two things caught my eye uh, first off, there was like a sky camera thing suspended above the field. It, sure. it wasn't in, it wasn't in use for the spring game. Man, that would have been um, sweet. But I was like, is that an XFL owned sky cam or is that an, a city of San Antonio owned sky cam? Because I think that would be a good investment to make, man. Uh, I asked Javi. Javi said it is an XFL sky cam, so don't expect to see it uh, this fall. Um, but I was like, man, like surely it can't cost more than hundred thousand dollars, right, for a sky cam? I can't UTSA imagine if we were on the cutting edge of broadcasting technologies and we had that dude imagine like if, even if our ESPN plus streams had a sky camp that would be so official oh my gosh dude it would be absolutely epic but you never yeah. know I mean those uh that competition could be hacking the film right and, and taking it back to their secret rooms and and this is a it's, a it's a point that I that I forgot to mention Jared that I wanted to I guess in this case it was a little bit better for for UTSA because uh, you didn't have too many starters playing, but you know, you, you, maybe, maybe you get away with a, a little bit more of the of the intel going around. But yeah, no, I thought the uh, I thought the setup comment was was interesting. But I haven't watched too many Brahmas games either, so I haven't really. Yeah. I haven't. I don't really know how to compare and contrast. The other thing I noticed, which I I think is probably what Jeff was referring to, is they had a lot of like signage and like banners that were like kind of hanging up and suspended, like on the, I guess like the front edge of the seating. Um, and I, I was kind of laughing, uh, guys, please don't, please don't blame me for this. Cause it, I, I say it with good reason. Uh, but I made a remark, uh, to someone in the game. That's, it's a good thing. Those are temporary signs and not permanent. Cause they might not be there next year. 
Sorry to the promise faithful. <laughs> you know what's going to stay? You know what's going to be permanent? Those CUSA banners. So they may as well just not really, dude. They take those things down. I don't even know they're up for the spring game. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is they're not going anywhere. So they may as well put them on those dang rafters. Just leave them there. Just dude, leave them if, there. if I was like a UNT fan, I don't know if I don't know if anyone's listening 16 minutes in the pod, so I can say it. Um, but if I was a UNT fan and I was trying to talk smack against UTSA, I would be like, okay, we don't have a conference championship banner. You guys do. But when Disney on Ice is playing, they're going to take yours down. <laughs> you know, ours are going to stay up in the stadium 24-7-365. Saying it's, uh, it's a fair criticism, right? The double-edged sword, yes, yeah. playing in the city facility. I understand it. Right. But I'll take the trade I, would, off. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't exactly, take it. Exactly. Exactly. I'll take it 10 times out of 10. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that was kind of general game day impressions in the spring game. It was cool. It was cool. The, you know, I was surprised. I, I thought I was going to be dead. Like driving all the way back to Houston after the spring game. Um, but it wasn't that bad. I was back at like 11 o'clock at night, I think. 1030. Love that. Yeah, it wasn't too bad at all. Like that a lot. Yeah. Like that a lot. Well, let's get into some of those performances, bro. I want to hear it. I want to hear who, oh, baby, do we sure. like on the roster, on the depth chart? Yeah. Well, let's, let's break it up a little bit. I'm going to do some Patreon readouts and we can do a break and then we'll just you know, hammer out the actual takeaways from the sprint game. That works for you. Perfect. Cool. Uh, new subscriber since our last episode, shout out to Johnny Porras. Joined us at the booster tier. Uh, great time to join Patreon as always, by the way. So since we have podcast on many different uh, outlets and apps and all of that now, uh, if you're a Patreon donor, you get all of them in one place. You support us here at Alma Audible. Help us to pay our staff and our volunteer writers, our guest writers with stipends. And uh, sometimes we do NIL deals too. So we had Keegan McCain from the UTSA women's tennis team on our non-ROF podcast uh, just yesterday, I guess it was. And uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, We're trying to get another athlete from another sport that we've never covered before on uh so keep in mind you know you support us we support utsa and UTSA yes. athletes and all that yes and uh in order for us to have a little bit of budget flexibility to do cool stuff like that we want to thank all of our big money donors on patreon including ben tovar rick cortez the rowdy road grillers the bunch family zach espericueta and the san antonio podcast network brandon padrone the fikes family and of course, our board of trustees members, Digitique, John Otwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Ruben representing the UTSA Bird Gang Tailgate, Ray Redding and Mimi Peril, Brandon Grill in the Grill Realty Group, and Andy Elizalde in Proficient Benefit Solutions. So thank you guys all so much for your continued support. And let's do a quick Kumbia break. better time of the year for some cumbia than fiesta season sir That's right i love Turn that out, man I i'm gonna press the re- when i that. press the rewind button play it again <laughs> repeat <Come back>. repeat <laughs> maybe just tenure at the auto explosion you know maybe maybe, maybe at the end of the podcast on the outro you could just play like the whole 
six minute extended version of the thing. <laughs> is there a or i could just play it like you know at 20 percent volume over the full track of the podcast what is there a, is there a song that just screams fiesta to you like more than any like if, when you hear it you're like teleported to like the flambeau parade oh that's tough man i mean anything by selena's right sure anything anything by selena puts you right into the fiesta season right away i would say that's pretty iconic uh at the the, at the inaugural Sosa appearance in Fiesta would have been the 2012 Fiesta Battle Flowers and Flambeau Parade. Uh, one of the major jams that was played was one that we had played during the football season, and it was Party Rockers, which by Alabama massive classic if you were there you at that time it was a time yeah. and a place there's a time and sure. a place but that song was all the rage and yeah party rockers in the house i remember banging that out on the tenors yeah. we had the you know the moves and the big and people loved it and the parade crowd going nuts and mm-hmm. yeah it was awesome you high-fiving people and old abuelas and theos and everyone yeah. out there and yeah i would say party rockers maybe Man, Absolutely. for me, it's it's a very clear answer. It's like permanently altered my brain chemistry. But uh, <laughs> that, that song where it's like Scooby Doo, pop pop, you know, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That's the best right there. I actually uh, associate that one with floating the Guadalupe River. Um, really. We yeah, have very for, we have very different soundtracks from Florida for, the Guadalupe River for unrelated for unrelated reasons. <laughs> well, it was it was it was it was the group that I was with, but yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. man. Crazy soundtrack. Yep. All right. Anyways, um, I think like I can just start us off with my list of guys that kind of stood out to me. And yes. guys that made it to my little notebook. Um, didn't take as many notes as I should have. I didn't come prepared. I printed out four pages of the UTSA football roster. Because if you've never been to a spring game, man, these guys are changing numbers like crazy. They're sure. changing positions. I mean, it's tough. Last numbers, the guy, last, numbers that guys are wearing last year are different now. Yeah. Right, right. So, so uh, starting off with the wide receivers. So uh, we'll talk about the guys that were held out later on in the podcast, but it's important to note that the big three receivers, uh, I guess big big four, if you want to include Taiki, they were all out, right? So all of the guys that were out there are twos at best, potentially threes. True freshman, early enrollee, David Amador from North Shore got the mm. start with the ones. Wow. He looked good, man. He looked really good. He did not look like a freshman whatsoever. And I mean, really, he's not even really a freshman. He's a high school senior. If we're, if we're keeping it a buck. True. And he looked good, man. He looked comfortable in the field. Uh, he's a good route runner. Good. He did have one drop that he should have had, but he does have good hands. Um, I thought he was going to play in the slot at UTSA. They had him out wide. So that was interesting, but he looked natural out there. Um, and he looks a lot bigger than I expected him to look. I think like when you watch the North Shore games and he's playing a quarterback, it makes him look small because he's right next to the offensive line. Mm. But when he was lined up out wide, he didn't look undersized, I didn't think. He's not big, you know, but. Yeah, because he only listed at 5'11", 175. Right. But clearly dynamic enough of a player maker that he's a little bit larger than maybe his stature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, that's impressive, man. Really impressive. But hey, from North Shore, what do you expect? Right. Uh, Chris Carpenter, you know, he had a, a good end to the season last year for UTSA, the Colorado transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he looked really strong in the sprint game as well. I mean, he was definitely the best receiver out there on that day. Uh, had a touchdown catch and I think another really long reception as well. Uh, but for a newcomer that stood out, Willie McCoy, the Juco transfer, um, he kind of looked how I expected him to look, but in a good way. You know, he's just really fast. Excuse me. It felt like he could get open at will. Like if you just let him run down the field and you're going to have some protection in the pocket, he's going to get open eventually. He's just got that straight line speed. Um, but he did have a couple of drops that he really should have come down with. Um, I think there was one throw into the end zone where he didn't really have his hand placement in the right way. Like I, if I remember correctly, he had his elbow too high or something like that. It, just, it didn't look like a very natural catch attempt. And he ended up mm. dropping that one. Okay. Um, okay. And then there was another one that I think the defender broke up what would have been a long completion. And I remember thinking like if um, McCoy would have used his body a little bit better, it would have been harder for the defender to break up that catch. Um, so kind of high expectations for him to be able to do that, but that's just kind of the expectations that you have to have if you're UTSA, because you've had Sakari Franklin out there. Uh, you know, you've had Josh Cephas out there. You've had JT Clark out there. So well, if Willie, if Willie McCoy is going to grow to that level, he has to do those small things that the big three are able to do. You've got to be able to do those things if you want to get minutes, right? Yeah. Or right. get snaps, I should say. Basketball talk. So there was a young tight end, Cameron Cooper. And in the back of my mind, I've always been thinking, like, what, who is the future of tight end? I don't think we have that answer just yet. But Cameron Cooper did look impressive. Um, I was talking to Maddie, a.k.a. Tailgate SA, earlier. And he said, because uh, Cameron posted a video of him, you know, with his nice catch in the spring game. And Maddie said he looked just like Oscar out there. Granted, Ooh. You know, he's not quite Oscar size, but he's got that bully kind of body type. And Still. he just like ran just like Oscar would do. He ran right into the defender, give him body blow, and then just used his body to get open and had good, strong hands to complete the catch. And I think that was a fourth down conversion attempt that he got that catch on as well. The next great UTSA tight end, Jared. Maybe. We'll see. Incredible. I think tight ends are a pretty good spot right now. You know, yeah, Tom, we're Dan, Dan Dishman's put on a lot of weight, and Dan had an amazing block uh, that led to a touchdown. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about uh, a post-Oscar tight end group. I think they're going to be course. a pretty solid shape. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think overall in the offense, the thing that impressed me the most, and part of this is historical as well, is just the depth of the offensive line. I mean, I, I was just blown away at, at how many guys were out there playing looking really good and in a lot of cases dominating their defensive opponents. I know that defensive line's a little bit um, depleted due to injury and, and stuff like that. Um, so there were a lot of guys playing out there on defense that are, are never going to see playing time, you know, come the fall. Uh, but regardless, I mean, I think anytime your third string offensive line is out there moving bodies around, that's always impressive because that's never been the case at UTSA at all. Not even um, just as of recent, you know, we yeah, had such sure. a beat up and depleted offensive line and for it to be so stout, really, mm-hmm. I mean, just kind of overnight, it feels like, you know, it was a quick turnaround right. and we we're we're deep there too. It's not just, it's mm-hmm. really, really impressive how we've been able to reassemble the offensive line so quickly. Right. It, it kind of makes me wonder if they're going to have to rotate offensive linemen just to give everyone playing time to prevent them from transferring. Kind of a well, different... Different issue that UTSA's ever had in the past. We tend to rotate guys just to keep fresh legs anyway, right? right? And so, yeah. you know. Well, at least under, so. uh, yeah, uh, under mathematics, that was the strategy. So we'll have to see if that continues. I'm sure it will. 
Um, but out of that offensive line group, the guy who impressed me the most actually might be a surprise. Buffalo Cruz, mm-hmm. like really salty. He is very quick on his feet. He had some really great angles on his zone blocks. Um, he can run like he, he was downfield brother. He's got some wheels on him quick. Wow. And he started at left tackle, I believe. Um, Daniel Ogundipe was a right tackle. So you got right. the two Juco transfers kind of bookending it um, for that, for that first unit on the offense. Okay. But I, I was really impressed with Cruz. It's gonna be hard to keep that guy off the field. I think. Wow. Wow. That's incredible to hear. Yeah. Great oh, last note, last note on the offense. He didn't play, but seeing JT Clark in full pads with no knee brace, no knee wrap, nothing felt miraculous. Yeah, they I, say, they say he's a freak of nature, man, an absolute freak of nature. And just goes to show, you know, you can't account for genetics when it comes to not only sports, but also sports injury recovery. Wow. Because if that same injury would happen to you or I, we would probably be in a wheelchair still. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's just like it's crazy. It, muscles just regenerating everything's just regenerating in there yeah and it's doing it quickly and uh yeah man it's fingers crossed it just continues on this on this trend line right it, amazing um defense i think is it's a little bit harder to assess in a spring game because it's like quick whistles and there's not as much physicality and stuff like that right stop uh, but, on contact right 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 uh, but there were two guys that did catch my eye um i thought overall the defense played really well uh, but there is a walk-on cornerback. I think he transferred from Houston Christian. Feels weird saying that. Uh, formerly known as Houston Baptist. Uh, Alpha oh. Khan. He's a young walk-on, but he's very athletic. I think he's like 6'1", 200 pounds. Runs a 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, most likely. Uh, he was that guy that had that pass breakup on Willie McCoy that I mentioned earlier. Um, just sure. a really impressive play. You know, he fell behind a little bit. He was out of phase, and he was able to make up. He watched the ball attacked the hands with his hands, got the pass breakup. So we've kind of been hearing a lot about him throughout spring ball. And, yeah. you know, sometimes like you hear the walk-on mentioned a lot and you're just like, yeah, they just like him personality-wise or, or what. But I think like Alpha Khan's a real player. So he's one to keep an eye on. Um, I think there's plenty of time available for that cornerback unit. I think so they, too. They've mm-hmm. had a pretty tight rotation uh, these past couple of years under Jeff Trailer. But I think even with that tight rotation, I think there's still still a spot up to grab on that second unit. Get involved for sure. You can get involved. Last guy, um, you know, probably didn't record any tackle for loss or sacks, but I thought Inana and in, Yanwu, in hopefully I got that right, uh, looked really impressive. He's very twitchy. He's very long. He's got great reach. Um, and he had a couple pass rushes. There was one where he did a kind of an outside delay stagger come inside where he just went right past the offensive lineman, like didn't even get touched. And then he had, I think a spin move as well that I was like, Ooh, man, he looks pretty good, man. Pretty salty. Um, so we'll see if he's ready to go this fall. You know, he has a young Juco transfer as well. He's really young, right? He's got a lot of eligibility. I think he's got three years, four years left. Yeah. 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 But uh, he'll catch your eye just standing out there, you know, six foot six, 240. It's got, we knew he had high ceiling, you know, based off his Juco film, uh, but seeing him out there um, doing his thing was, was impressive. Wow. A caveat though, we have seen defensive linemen get like three sacks in a spring game before, just like never do anything the rest of their career. 
So can't can't get too hyped on the sprint game setting. But given yeah, the, his physical traits. Sure, sure. But the spring game talent has, you know, increased a heck of a lot year True. over year. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. So you're seeing yeah, guys it, with a lot more potential and, and higher. It wasn't standards. that long ago that that second and third unit that you're seeing on the offensive line in the sprint game was like a five foot ten, three hundred pound guy from yeah, I mean, you know, you would just see a Some flash. You would see a flash play and get real, real juiced about it. But it was no different yeah. than, you know, a ball taking a crazy bounce and it. Sure. Some intramural wreck game, and your friend, <laughs> make, your roommate, makes a crazy catch, and it was like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, he's the greatest. That's what it used to be like, man. So, yo, we're privileged. We're we're, we're privileged fans, and and we're learning how to deal with that privilege, Jared. Uh, season by season here, mm-hmm. and so you mentioned uh that there, we, we we had a, a a fun little funny little false start who was it that had that false start on the clap that you were talking about i think it was frankie yeah so frankie martinez but uh overall um it sounded like we were we were pretty mentally sharp uh throughout the spring Area. game as far as uh penalties go there's only one pre-snap penalty and i don't think there were any post-snap penalties uh, so everything was really really tight Mm-hmm. in that regard but jared what everyone wants to know and what we really need to freaking find out and there's not much time left for us to figure this out because it's frank harris's last year at the helm of course he just like the rest of uh the real big playmaking starters at skill positions uh did not play in the spring game mm-hmm. frank harris this is his last season being the quarterback for utsa wow crazy never even thought i would say that sentence before and now, Jared, here we are wondering who is going to be Frank's backup. More importantly, who's going to be the guy who takes over yeah. after Frank? Who's the prince? Uh-oh. Oh, God, a few notes. I got two notes before I answer your question and, and give my impression. Uh, first off, you are such a liar for saying you never thought the day would come where you would say it's Frank's last year. Come on, dude. <laughs> it's his eighth year. At UTSA. That's what I mean. It just keeps going and going and going and going. It just <laughs> feels on. like it just feels like it's just the <laughs> the forever quarter. It's know? like we like broke some time dimension span <laughs> or something. I don't yeah, know. we've been in the Frank um, Harris era for like twenty five years. The program's not even that old. Yeah, I, I do want to quickly hit though that you're you're right that UTSA didn't commit many penalties. But what impressed me the most on that subject was how well all the players on offense knew the playbook. Because usually in these spring games, once the threes get out there and once they start rotating in the walk-ons and stuff, it's like all hell breaks loose. I mean, guys are standing in the wrong spot. Guys don't yeah, know the snap sure. count. They don't know what route to run. All that stuff. Uh, it's messy. Protection, protection breaks down. You know, guys go unblocked coming in on a blitz and, or even just a regular pass rush. I didn't really see any of that, man. I, I was crazy impressed. And especially when you consider the fact that these guys are going to be on their – Fourth offensive coordinator? Is that or is it three? Three, right? Will Stein, Barry Looney, Barry Looney, Justin Burke. Yeah, I think it's well. Third. Technically, it's the f- yeah, and it's the third. It's the third yeah. one. Yeah, 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 but you know, in, in a very short amount of time, right? Yes. So it's like there's all this turnover, um, but all those guys still know the playbook so well. And, I think that's a huge testament to the continuity on the staff overall, even though mm-hmm. they've lost, you know, guys along the way, of course, um, that they're able to kind of keep that same terminology, culture, playbook in place. And 
Um, I think, especially when you look at, uh, you know, like David Amador stepping in right away, it's clear this coaching staff is doing a great job of getting these guys prepared, ready to go. Um, but to pivot back to, you know, kind of the talking point we're on about the quarterbacks, um, I thought that I would walk out of the Alma Dome last Friday with a really good understanding of who the backup quarterback and the future of the quarterback room is going to be. Uh-oh, I don't like where this is going. There's a but. I, I did not walk away like that, but not in a bad way. Okay. Eddie and Owen legitimately played great football and both of them look really good. Oh, so you're saying maybe there's options. I think they're going to continue to push each other and the best man's going to win. Right. But I, I was kind of thinking that McCown would kind of jump ahead of Eddie in the spring game to, to be completely honest with you. Cause I'm, I'm really high on Owen. I liked his film a lot coming to high school. I was really, really, really let down when he signed with Colorado instead of coming to UTSA. Um, so, you know, I've been pulling for him, right? Like that's kind of my guy, right? If you will. Um, yeah, sure. Not that I don't love Eddie. I mean, he's, you know, he's a fan favorite, dude. He's got the chance already and all that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like kind of like emotionally, mentally, I was like ready to jump on the Owen McCown hype train and call him the future. And he played well enough to deserve that treatment. But Eddie just went blow for blow with him, man. Both oh, guys fantastic. And also, I mean, I thought the secondary played well. So it's not even like, you know, both of them are carving up, you know, the skeleton of a defense or anything like that. It was okay. just good football out there being played. It helps the offensive line whipped ass. Offensive line gave them plenty of time in the pocket. Um, and even when the quarterbacks did have to scramble, they had clear lanes to do so. Right. Um, so, man, I mean, it, it was impressive. It, like I, we've never seen QB two and three look like that at a spring game for UTSA ever. Not even close. Like last spring, I was impressed that Diego was out there making some good throws. Um, and that, you know, Eddie did his thing, of course. Right. Right. It feels like a different level with these two. I mean, both of these guys are, are legitimate G5 starting level quarterbacks, in my opinion. And already. Just, they're, they already yeah. look like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would they be all conference players right now? Probably not. But I think any of those guys could go play at any Mac, Sunbelt, Conference USA school. No compete, problem. Compete for some wins. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Man. As far as like individual oh, traits, I thought Eddie uh, was a little bit stronger throwing downfield. Uh, just kind of like uncorking it, letting it fly. Okay. Um, he had like a, a one that went like 50 yards to the air. And I think he hit M- uh, McCoy on that one. And I was, that, that was like a that. really nice, nice release. Um, but McCown, I think I, he was, he's really quick. He's got good velocity on his intermediary throws. There was one throw he had that really impressed me. Um, he's a lefty. So he was rolling out to his left. So that is, yeah, not the right, that, that's his good side. You know? Southpaw, yeah, just yeah. like Frank, yeah. Yeah, and he was like rolling out towards the sideline. He ran quite a bit on that rollout, and he like delivered a bullet, like probably like 25 yards downfield on the sideline. And I was like, ooh, buddy, that's... It was uh, tight. It was like in the, it was a... Yeah, it was like a good window. Into a window, yeah. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, I thought both of them seemed to have a pretty good grasp on the playbook. Oh, Owen looked a little bit quicker when he scrambled. Um, so it sounds like he's a little more Frank Harris-esque. Just, just, you're I think, really I think a little bit. Yeah, Frank Harris type plays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think so. I think I think Eddie's a little bit more of a pocket guy. 
you know, he, he can move around. He's not slow or anything. He's not unathletic. Right. Uh, but I do think M- McCown is, is closer to a Frank Harris type of quarterback. Going on the move. Yeah. Kind of. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it, it's fun, dude. It's fun to watch a really good quarterback battle. That's not like a race to the bottom. Like, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've been reading a lot of coverage coming out of Florida spring game. Like Florida didn't have a quarterback and they went and got. Uh, I think a guy from Wisconsin out the portal or something like that. But like people were not that high at him based off what the quotes were coming out of spring and their quarterbacks look so bad in the spring game that all the fans are freaking out and they like want them to go back in the portal again. But there is no great savior at quarterback in the portal to go get. And I mean, it's just nice. Mm. Obviously like we're not on the same scale of expectations for it. We don't need a starter, uh, but it's nice to not have that sense of panic or concern yeah exactly the quarterback position exactly it's 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 finally showing that there's depth right and that's that's the word that we have not had i mean you know frank harris would have gone down in one of these last two seasons (laughs) we would have been hanging for scraps and so yeah we're 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 finally in a good place where now there's competition at the two position two and three are gonna (laughs) are gonna be fairly capable more than capable of of leading this offense right, the, right. no matter yeah, what I order so. these two guys shake out in and so now i mean you do, we do have to say that the defense wasn't really blitzing they were a very vanilla defense they were pretty much in base you know three-man front sure cover two type stuff all all day long right so um that's what separates the quarterbacks right is like how they read and react to the defense so we didn't really get a good litmus test on that but as far as like ability to make the throws and, and move around the pocket, avoid pressure, yada, yada, yada. I think both guys p- passed that with flying colors for sure. I know defense is limited in what it's able to do with the whole stop on contact thing. And as you mentioned, not running any blitz. Were you able to pick up on anything from the defense? What were you able to pick on? I was going to say some negative stuff about the rest of the quarterbacks, but if you want me to move on, I can move oh, on. Oh, no. We can stay on quarterbacks. I would love for you. Uh, just, just real quick. Because those weren't the only two guys that got snaps. So right, right. Yeah. And Owen <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Brandon Tennyson came in pretty quick. I was surprised how quickly they got him in the game. Because um, he, he was a blue shirt last year, I think, because he got hurt. He struggled. He struggled for sure. Um, he's Ooh. he's not ready yet. Um, <clears throat> Diego didn't do a whole lot as well. He's in the transfer portal now. Uh, Jackson Gilkey, I missed him coming in. He did get a series, but <clears throat> it was like towards the end. I was like looking at restaurant recommendations on my phone, trying to find a taqueria. Game was over. Town. Spring game, game was, was over. over right? yeah. So I, I missed him. I heard that he did, like, didn't really do much either, though. But uh, Gilkey looks really impressive and just in pads on the sideline. Like that, that's a quarterback, quarterback. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he looks the part for sure. Um, so while Eddie and Owen were both fantastic, the rest of the guys really struggled. And Brandon Tennyson's the the guy from Gilmer. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I will say he's very quick with his motions. Like he he's significantly smaller than Gilkey, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tennyson's tiny. He's tiny. Four inches, 50 pounds smaller. <clears throat> Wow. I mean, I don't know what they list Tennyson at, but if it's above 5'11, if it's above 5'10, maybe even, <laughs> I'm doubtful. And the only one you missed was Gilkey, or you did, and and you did see Diego, or did you not see Diego? I, I did see Diego. He, he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, I missed Gilkey. Was, was he given 
the opportunity to do a whole lot or just we wasn't really able to do a whole he didn't get a lot of playing time no okay yeah i mean they they had eddie and owen out there for most of the sprint game and that was probably the case with gilkey who probably didn't get too many snaps either right but tennyson tennyson had the opportunity to get some snaps mm -hmm. had he come out and look good because he came in pretty early but he Mm -hmm. he kind of squandered that opportunity what you're saying right also i think when diego and gilkey came in they were with like the threes and the fours i think tennyson was running with the ones and the twos and he still really struggled but you know it's early for him i don't want to be too dismissive or or pessimistic sure sure they're both freshmen yeah big jump going from gilmer to utsa too that's right um, as far as defense goes, uh, I don't know, man. It's it's so hard to evaluate the defense in uh, an atmosphere environment like this. But um, I thought the secondary was was solid. Like they were like kind of been locked up. They were not like glaring wide open receivers that like just no one picked up. You mentioned a couple batted passes, some tip balls. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah so there they, was some they were playing plays. hard in that regard. Yep. Um, I remember Zay Frazier had a play where he kind of like came off a block and came downfield and, and made the tackle on a scrimmage on like a screen pass. I thought was really good. I I was I don't recall if that incarnate word transfer Elliot Davison was out there or not. Um, but I remember thinking like the secondaries weren't letting a whole lot behind them. Uh, if there was a guy deep, the safety was usually pretty close to the receiver, right? It wasn't like a an uncovered situation, which is always good to see. Okay. I wasn't really able to evaluate the linebackers at all. Because I mean, as they're playing touch football out there. You you just you don't know what you got with the linebacker until they're popping pads. Right. But on the edge, you know, I mentioned and Yanwu um looked really good. That's tough. I wish I wish I had more to bring you guys, but no, I think it's fair. Look, the defense is, is really, really limited in what they're allowed to do and able to do in the spring game. And it's for good reason. So, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do want to ask you, of the names that you gave us earlier, you went through David Amador, Willie McCoy, Cameron Cooper, Buffalo Cruz, Alpha Khan, Nana Anyanwu. Of those names, who do you... Um, not just competing, but who do you think is 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 going to get some decent snaps this year? I think I think Cruz is is likely to start. To be honest with you, wow. Um, maybe not week one, but I think he's going to have at least three or four weeks this season. He's a starter. He'll get there. Yeah, yeah. He looks ready. He looks ready for sure. Um, then I think uh, Inyanwu will for sure be in on third downs, if nothing else. Hmm. Wow. Um, I think. Amador and McCoy are both going to travel for away games. All right. I think they're going to be in the mix. Okay. Alpha Con, Cameron Cooper. There's some guys in front of them, you know, so it's, there's it's just too many guys that tied in. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah uh huh. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, but really, most of those names that you gave us where you think uh, they'll be involved, they'll certainly be yeah, involved. I think so. That's we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that in December. That's Maybe tremendous. I should go find last year's spring game episode and see how bad I missed on stuff. <laughs> what uh, what what has surprised you the most from my impressions? I think I'm really really intrigued at the breakdown between ELM and Owen Pee Wee. Mm-hmm. Whenever you said that uh, 
they went blow for blow. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty intriguing because from what I understood was they both looked good. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> the way you make it sound is they both look ready. And so that's that's really, really exciting. It's a breath of fresh air for me. I, well, ready to play, but ready to play a game and clear step right? down from Frank, though. I know, and nobody is saying, yeah, but ready to be yeah. a backup quarterback. Yeah, I think right? so. So that, that's tremendous. So that, um, and then I think on uh, your your commentary on Buffalo Cruz and on Yan Wu were both really, really surprising mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And and two that I'm, I think, most excited about. Uh, so I think my most excited surprises would well, probably be the the way to say it. I'm super fascinated to come back in two years and see how UTSA's JUCO strategy in this past class pans out. Because right now, I think it's off to a pretty good start. And I mean, you just, you look at these guys, man, the physicality, size, speed, strength, and UTSA just wasn't getting guys like this at the high school level. That's right. And in the past, those guys were going to Power 5 programs. But now with the transfer portal, I think this is a huge opportunity. I think UTSA was ahead of the curve here. Way ahead. I would agree with oh, you there. Oh, oh, oh. A guy that I missed. I, I just happened to scroll my mouse down the roster. Let's Rocco go. Griffin looked awesome at running back. Oh, we didn't talk about any running backs. He looked way faster out there than I expected. And I think that's maybe because when I watched his film, he was playing against SEC defenses. Right? So he didn't look all that quick. But you put him out there against, you know, AAC, Conference USA talent. And he looks a lot faster. So I was well, really excited to see that. And the and the game notes also mentioned Justin Rodriguez ripping off a few long runs yeah. as well. Oh, you know I'm a big J Rod guy. Come on. So we had some production out the backfield from the running backs. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. That's good to hear. Oh, I guess we didn't really go through all the guys that were held out. It was like pretty much every established starter was held out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I was laughing so hard. Lucas Dean sat out as well. How good do you have to be as a punter to get held out of the spring game, dude? Brutal. Brutal. I always forget he has a last year. He has a, he has one more season. Yeah, I, I felt someone else. Wasn't he supposed to be gone? I'm pretty sure I said former UTSA punter on our interview with Keegan. That's embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> what what, what is he would have corrected you? That was so funny, dude. Oh, she comes oh, to the football oh. podcast. These guys don't know what they're talking about. These guys don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, man, but uh, yeah, that's another one of those guys. It's, it's been, you know, you know how like we have the original uh, eighteen posters. We need like a poster of like the six year guys, the seven year guys, <laughs> it's like Frank Harris and Lucas D. Yeah, you know? all of all of them with like um <laughs> like walkers with tennis balls on on the legs. <laughs> oh, I'm scrolling through the roster again just to th- see if there's anything I might have missed. Uh, Corey Godnet played a lot at guard. <laughs> And uh, he got beat several times. I think he's still kind of learning, adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to have to kind of, if they if he comes in, they got to be careful what they, they run with him because there was one play where he was supposed to like pull and then pass block on the edge. And the guys just like ran right around him because I think Godinette's just, he's just a big guy. Like he's not, he's not going to be the quickest dude on the team. Have his those. size. Mm-hmm. He's a big old boy, man. That guy's huge. Okay. Like that. Yeah, that's about all I got, man. Okay. Well, that's exciting. One thing that I caught in the post-spring game interview from Trailer was the exact number of days before the first game of the 2023 season against Houston. He goes, 
I mean, he said it in passing. It's not like he was asked about it. He was just sort of talking about the spring game and getting prep and what to do from now until then. He's like, yeah, well, we got Houston in 142 days. And he just kind of went back saying, I was like, oh, baby, that taste is still in his mouth, man. And good. It should be. But that sour taste from the way that game ended last year is still in his mouth. And this team is very much looking forward to coming to H-Town and whipping some ass. And I'm you know, I, I, I live like one or two miles away from Houston's football facility. If I ran to Dana at the gas station and I asked him how many days until they play UTSA, I don't think he'd get the number right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, as he's buying his uh, six pack of Red Bulls or his, yeah. his vodka Red Bull. Right. Dude, I'm telling you, if you do catch Dana at the gas station, I mean, if you if you if that's your only question for him is how many days do you have till UTSA, I'd be pretty impressed. Yeah, I would too. I'm not saying I'm going at Dana if I catch him at the gas station. <laughs> I, I've seen him in public before and I didn't say anything. What am I calling about? It was like the week he was hired. I was like in the Galleria for some reason. He was at some swanky bar there, just like chilling with the boys. I would probably hit him with that. You. You know we should have won that game, right, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, he knows. Don't it lie too. to me. He knows it too. Yeah, Jeff yeah. knows it too. So it's going to be exciting. 142 uh, more. So 142 divided by seven, whatever that is. That is how many more episodes of Almo Audible until uh, you get your Houston U of H preview, your season preview, all coming up. Right, a few more months, but very, very exciting to have football in the air after the spring game, dude. Really, really cool. You, you feel a little bit of that excitement kind of already start to stir up. Here I am talking about the Houston game. So mm-hmm. let's yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to end it. Uh, we do have a lot more, of course, in the works before we get to the Houston game. We said earlier we're trying to get um, another NIL player interview set up. Uh, no spoilers on that. Um, we got a really cool idea for a Patreon bonus off-topic episode that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Uh, sure to create some heated controversial discussion uh, based off Adrian and I selections and that. Um, and we're gonna do we'll do a little transfer portal update too because there's a lot of movement in the portal for UTSA right now. Mm. So we'll go through all that probably our next episode on the ROF feed. So yeah, man. Uh, if you're not following us on social social media, be sure to search up Alamo Audible. Man, I feel like such a zoomer when I say search up. Did you know the kids say that they don't say like, oh, I'm gonna Google something. They say, I'm going to search something up. I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah, same. The kids say it. It's, it's wild. Um, but that being said, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting. We'll see you all back next time. Bye.